The Tallarico Group has helped CEOs grow their sales and their leaders for over a decade. Founder Bill Tallarico brings you Total Growth, a podcast that explores the challenges of selling, leading, and building great relationships. Welcome back to Total Growth. Uh, my name is Bill Tallarico. I'm by myself today, which is a little unusual. We've been having guests for the past couple months here on Total Growth, and I wanted to take some time and talk about prospecting. Uh, I think it's one of those topics that's important to everybody, but sometimes overlooked. And then uh, oftentimes the the debate rages on about, you know, how do we prospect? Can you prospect in, in this new era and this new age of social media? And, you know, is the phone dead and voicemail dead? And you know, I'm, I don't know if it's dead. I, I certainly, uh, I, I don't think it's uh, best years are ahead of us and using the phone to prospect, but I certainly don't think it's dead. So I want to talk a little bit today about phone use, how we use the phone and prospecting for new business and reaching out to um, uh, those who we're currently working with, our theory on how emails and voicemails go together. And then we'll talk a little bit about what happens if people actually pick up the phone, uh, which is that dreaded uh, concern. We always prep for the voicemail, but what happens if they actually pick up the phone and we have to say hello to them? And then how do we network? I think uh, that's one of the questions I get most is how do I effectively network? And people think networking only happens at the big events where we go to, where other business leaders are going to be gathered or, you know, award ceremonies. And I think we can always be networking. I think that uh, when done right, networking doesn't feel like it's uh, uh, slimy or doesn't feel cheesy. Network is just making new friends and acquaintances and continuing to grow our circle of influence. So that, that's what I want to focus on today. And uh, I, I can tell you when it comes to the phone, uh, as I said earlier, I don't think the phone's dead. In fact, I think the phone's a great tool. Uh, we find the, fo- the phone to be a very uh, powerful way to actually bur- build your personal brand, right? And when we, when we make phone calls and if we, we're leaving voicemails for people, it becomes very important for us to take that voicemail with importance versus just rushing through a script because somebody's going to listen to that. And when they listen to that, they start to get a sense for who we are. And that sense of who we are comes a lot from our tone, our energy level, our excitement. And the, the better we, we leave voicemails for people, the more impassioned we leave voicemails for people and let our true self come through for them, the more they start to feel like they know us. And we know that if we're going to be prospecting using the phone, that we're never, you know, it's very unlikely for us to get somebody on the first try. They pick up the phone. We have, you know, this wicked script we go through and they love it. And like, man, I can't wait to buy from you. That, that, that very rarely if ever happens, right? More often than not, we're going to be leaving voicemails. And when we leave voicemails with consistency over time, people start to feel like they know you. And I have a, a lot of folks that talk to me and they're like, oh, I have my reps call. And if they get voicemail, they hang up and they'll try back a couple hours later. And then we make them hang up again if they get voicemail. And after four or five tries, we might let them leave a voicemail. I, you know, I'm not telling you that's silly, but I just want to remind you that people also have caller ID. So when we're calling somebody six or seven times in a day, and you see that in your list of calls and nobody leaves a voicemail for you, I don't know how you feel, but that drives me crazy. So 
you know, when I look at that list of that number that's called me six or seven times and doesn't leave a voicemail for me, if I eventually pick up just to see what's going on and they're like, hey, Bill, how you doing? And they go down this salesy pitch. I'm done. Like, I'm just so instantly turned off. So don't put yourself behind uh, behind the proverbial eight ball. Uh, give yourself an advantage. If you get voicemail, leave a message, make it compelling, make it short, make it enthusiastic. If you have to stand up to get energy, great, uh, versus sitting down and letting that energy level wane, especially if you're doing an hour of calls or 30 minutes of calls where you're making calls over and over. Stand up, give yourself a, a platform to be excited and and project your your energy and your voice. But make that voicemail short, sweet, and let them know an email's coming, right? And then we love having emails connected to voicemails. We always say they go out two by two, right? There's a little biblical uh, nature to that, where when you're going out two by two with a voicemail and an email, I love leaving uh, my voicemails, wrapping them up by saying, hey, Evan, I'll send you uh, an email to follow up as well. That might be easier for you to get, uh, get back to me with. And send the email and say, hey, Evan, left you a voicemail earlier today, looking for some time to catch up and discuss blah. And when we do that, it, it, it also starts to build trust. Because remember, the definition of trust we love to use is trust is when our words and actions are consistent over time. So if I tell you that I'm sending you an email, and then I actually follow up and do it, I'm starting to subconsciously build that trust with you. So remember, emails and voicemails go out two by two. Uh, they're very impactful for each other because it gives some the the uh, the intended prospect or the the person with whom we're communicating. It gives them flexibility, and it also is that letting them know that. Uh, what's easiest method for them to reply to us is important to us. So if they decide they want to call us back, wonderful, we're ready. If they decide they'd like to reply with an email, even better sometimes, because then we could schedule time to talk. So emails, voicemails, two by two, keep them consistent. And that's over time, because people often will also ask, well, if I leave a voicemail on Monday, and I send out the email, and I leave a voicemail on Wednesday, should I still send out another email? And the answer is absolutely yes, because what you'll find either way with its voicemails or emails, if somebody hasn't responded to that message in 48 hours, they're probably not going to respond, right? It's just the nature, the, the speed of information at which it comes at us these days, the velocity of information is just so rapid that most people don't have great systems for responding to emails and responding to uh, voicemails. So if they don't get back to you inside of 48 hours, they're probably not getting back to you. It's great to go back again with another message. And that can continue on over time. Now, after the third message or uh, I'd say the third message, you, you might want to expand that window a little bit and go from 48 hours to 72 hours. But just keep that consistency because we know that it could take us eight times or more of reaching out and touching somebody for to get them to actually respond to us. So there has to be that consistency of messaging with, uh, uh, with our prospecting. And then what happens if somebody actually picks up the phone, right? Well, uh, that could be dangerous if you're not prepared. And I'm not a big fan of scripting. And you know, what I mean by that is, uh, uh, 
I'm not a big fan of rigorous scripting just because it doesn't work for me. I can't do it well enough. There's some people that excel at it and they love their script. They own their script and they can deliver it every time like it's fresh and new and it doesn't sound redundant. If that's you, great. Go for a script. Absolutely go for the script. If you're like me and you have to be a little more uh, uh, in the moment, a little more casual, a little more uh, yourself and unscripted, then do that, but have a framework, a wireframe for the things you know you need to say. You know, and I'll oftentimes, if I'm making calls, I'll, I'll start out with my loose script, which is just that opening intro, working with folks like you on blank, and the question of how are you, how are you managing that today? Remember, if somebody picks up the phone, it's their time. So I, you know, I'm a big fan of being courteous and kind and not being manipulative. And the, the most courteous thing I think we can do when we catch somebody on the phone uh, that first time or any time is asking them if we're catching them at a bad time. Virtually every call I make outbound to a client, a prospect, or whomever uh, is, hey, am I catching you at a bad time? And the response you'll get to that, first of all, it puts the, the, the hearer at ease and lets them know that we're not just going to turn the fire hose on them and, and, and pump out as much information as we can. So I love to say, hey, am I catching you a bad time? And if they say, no, I got a couple minutes, great. What did they tell you? I have a couple minutes. So let's respect that and say, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I was calling to ask you about blank and how you might be dealing with that today. And they, they'll start to share information with you or they'll back you up and uh, tell you they're not comfortable talking about that. Either way, we're good because we're in the moment, right? You know, we make that quick announcement of who we are, wondering if I'm catching a bad time, uh, calling because we're working with organizations that look like yours on growing sales or on their ad campaigns or whatever your, uh, whatever your service or product is and asking them how they're dealing with that today. Um, and then we're into the conversation because that's where we ultimately want to be. We just want to get into that conversation as quickly as possible. So be direct, be kind, be courteous, respect their time. And what we find when we ask the question of, am I catching you a bad time? Uh, someone might say to you, actually, Bill, it's a bad time. I'm getting ready to walk into a meeting and I thought you were someone else. We have an opportunity to respect that. And instead of throwing up whatever it is we were hoping to talk to them about, say, great, when's a better time for us to connect? And they might say, Wednesdays usually work good for me. Wednesday morning's wide open. Thank you so much. I'm going to shoot you a quick note and uh, for Wednesday at 10 a.m. and we could jump on the, on the phone together. We have a clear next step set. At that moment, we actually have a scheduled call with somebody that 100% of the times they're not going to show up for it. But even if it's 50% of the time, and I will tell you the percentages are a lot higher, even if it's only 50% of the time that they show up for that call, we're far ahead of the game, right? We are far ahead of sitting there making how many more phone calls to get into that meaningful discussion. So please remember a great way to start that call is with the, am I catching you at a bad time? And, and then actually listen to the answer, right? Well, what happens if someone else picks up the phone when we're prospecting? So we have our intended target. We call Larry. Larry doesn't answer, but someone else does, uh, who's either his uh, admin 
receptionist, whoever it might be, and we're trying to get through to Larry. I love treating gatekeepers. I hate that term because it seems like such a uh, a bad title and objectifies the uh, the people that do this good work. But you know, for lack of a better term, gatekeeper. Whenever we catch a gatekeeper, I love treating them like they're part of the process because they are. And I love extending dignity and respect to them because it comes back in, in, in droves for us. So rather than just trying to rush by them and say, hey, I need to talk to Larry. And when they say, okay, can I ask who's calling? Uh, don't use the manipula- uh, manipulation and, and the fake tactics of don't worry, he'll want to take my call. Or my name's Bill, just let him know uh, I'm calling. He needs to talk to me. That puts us in a position of, of, of starting a relationship in a negative place versus trying to start us in a very positive, productive place. So <clears throat> if you do say, don't worry, he needs to talk to me or he'll want to take this call, when you finally get through to him and if he picks up the phone and you tell him who you are, I, you know, if that was coming my way, I'd be like, yeah, look, I'm done and just move on. And we don't need to play those games. We want to build real relationships, not start out with uh, on false premise. So be kind and honest. And the most important thing we can say to a gatekeeper that actually gets us through to the individual we're hoping to connect with is, I was hoping you could help me. And when we ask for help and we say, you know, hoping you could help me, I'm trying to reach Larry about blank. I've never talked to him before and I'm hoping we can connect. People usually are kind back and are willing to help you. So we love asking for help. We love saying, hoping you could help me. Here's what I'm trying to do. And uh, usually somebody will extend, extend that offer of help back to you. So treat people like people. It usually pays off, right? Uh, one other thing I often end up talking about with clients and um, uh, people that aren't in sales for a living is how do they network? So this is often a problem with uh, professional service providers or professionals that are looking to expand their network, their referral sources, uh, their centers of influence. How do we grow these relationships that ultimately allow us to grow our business? Well, this is something that's always come fairly natural for me because I have no fear of talking, right? So I have no fear of connecting with people, probably to a fault. You know, I embarrass my kids virtually every time I'm out in public with them. <clears throat> and that's not like almost every time. No, that's virtually every time I walk out of the door uh, with one of my children, I embarrass them because I'll talk to the cashier, Dick Sporting Goods. You know, I'll walk through the parking lot in a mall and see uh, someone wearing a Duquesne University sweatshirt. This just happened to us yesterday. And I'll yell over, hey, Duquesne, you go there. And the girl looked at me the other day in horror and she's like, uh, no, I just got a free sweatshirt. I'm like, okay, I went there. I just thought you might've had this. We might've had that in common. And my son hangs his head, shakes his head, gets in the car and is like, really, do you need to speak to everybody you see? And, and yeah, the answer is I do. It's, it's kind of a reflex, but for those who are less comfortable connecting with others and having a way to get into a meaningful conversation And then getting into a meaningful conversation about business, whether it's at the kids' soccer game, whether it's at a networking event, wherever we might be, as professionals, that's ultimately where we want to go, right? We want to get into a professional conversation with somebody. 
that, uh, and I know that in most cases, it's we want to go up and tell them what we do and ask them who they know we can help. We can't do that because that's too in, disingenuous and, and, and it puts us ahead of them. And we never want to do that. We always want to put the other ahead of us. We put the other's needs ahead of ours and we find then that our needs get met. So the way I like to approach networking when it's someone new or in a setting that uh, we want to drive the conversation towards business, and this could be with somebody we know uh, and have never had the business conversation or someone new and we want to get around to understanding, is uh, make the conversation about them. So rather than leading with what we do, let's lead with interest in what they do. And that would sound something like this. would be like, hey, Larry, uh, tell me about your business. And Larry's going to tell you what he does because, you know, essentially what we're asking him is tell me, you know, what do you do for a living? But when I say tell me about your business, it's that invitation to conversation that lets him start to tell me about what do they really do versus him just saying, uh, you know, I'm a contractor. He has an opportunity to tell you, well, I, you know, I specialize in home remodeling with an emphasis on kitchens or whatever it might be. And that example is relatively fresh to me because we're interviewing contractors right now to, for a kitchen remodel. But when you say to somebody, tell me about your business, they will. Then after they share that information with you, I like to ask people, what's a good client look like for you? So you do blah, you know, you do blank. What's a good client look like for you? And they'll start to tell us, well, we like to work with people that have this type of profile or especially in the wealth management space or in the software space, they'll tell you what, what a good business or a good individual looks like for them. And then one thing I like to ask if it hasn't already been answered is, what should I listen for that makes me think of you? Right? When somebody's telling me about what they're working on, what, what's that, what are some of those keywords I should be listening for that make me think of you? That's your way of asking them what makes you unique. And someone will share that with you. And what happens next is, I don't know if it's uh, very predictable, um, but it's certainly understandable. And once we go through this discussion with somebody, or we take that interest in asking them about their business and learning about them, people usually will look at you and say, hey, Bill, tell me about your business. And what's a good client look like for you? And what makes you unique and what should we be listening for that makes us think of you? And you have an opportunity to then share all that information with them. And you have an opportunity to share more information with them now than if you tried pushing it early in the conversation, simply because they're now interested. You demonstrated you cared. Now they're demonstrating back to you that they care and they're interested. So if you apply that approach to putting the other first and taking a little bit of an interest in their business and their needs, you're going to find that prospecting goes much easier for you and becomes much natural, more natural for you. And I think you're going to have much better results as a, uh, as a result of, of putting the other first. Uh, you know, this, this comes back to one of our core principles, which I'd like to remind you of now. And that is, you know, we must always remember sales is something we do for somebody not to somebody. So when we come into these conversations and, you know, the, I love the phrase coming in hot, when we come in hot and it's all about us and we're pushing, 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 people repel, right? People tend to pull back from that. But when we come in 
and we lean into people and we take an interest in others and we take an interest in and uh, their business, when we take an interest in their needs and helping them find solutions, we can't help but be successful, guys. So uh, hope, hopefully this helps you as you uh, start to prospect a little bit today. And uh, hopefully this helps you when you're at your next event and you want to meet somebody and start to build some relationship with them. Be genuine. Be authentic. Be intentional. Be yourself. Thank you all for your time. God bless. Best of luck.